something great about the day here. It's wonderful weather for a Sunday afternoon. Swelling the crowd even further. And as mentioned, it's by no means one way here, the support. Benfica have a tremendous following. I think that surprises many of us who visit every year for the International Champions Cup, actually, just how well supported they are across the United States. What's up, Benfica Nation? Welcome to episode 25 of Mr. Benfica. I am, of course, your host, the Mr. Mike Agustinho. Welcome back to another week. How is everyone doing this week? How's everyone doing tonight? Benfica start the season off the right way with a 5-0 thumping of Passos de Ferreira at the Stadio de Luz in front of 62,000 plus last Saturday. Um, what a, what a match, huh? For for Nuno Tavares, I have to say something. I think he heard my podcast last week. Oh my my bad, bro. I think you heard me. I think you heard me say that. Uh, I wish we had a right back like Thierry Correa, huh? Um, Nuno Tavares showed up in big big form on Saturday. Um, solid defensively as he has been. That's never been the issue. But man, once he scored that wonder strike with his left foot, he gained all kinds of confidence and that right foot was coming along. It was great to see. Man, we got another crack on our hands, I think. I think we got another crack the formação on our hands. Big shout out first of all before we start to the people I was interacting with a little bit earlier. I had this is take 2 of this segment. Unfortunately, I was uh Recording, or I thought I was recording this segment a little bit earlier on Instagram Live. Big shout out to Vintiun, to Luis. Um, if you haven't yet, check out his channel on YouTube. All right, it's I believe it's it's uh, if you just search for Vintiun, um, the word Vint underscore un. All right, um, it's Luis Skeda is his name. Uh, he's out in the UK, Portuguese guy. Big Benfiquista. He had an awesome show last week. Um, with Dylan and Mario from Benfica After 90, um, speaking Portuguese, and that was dope. That was dope, bro. That I I really really enjoyed that episode. Um, never heard those guys speak Portuguese before, so that was pretty awesome. Also, shout out to my brother from another. Shout out to Brian Andrade, my cousin, my former roommate, my old teammate. All right, uh, I also coached him a little bit. Uh, thank you for checking in, bro. Long time no talk. We got to catch up for sure. Um, also, thank you to Ruben, X2X, uh, for chiming in. Um, 
his comments was that Benfica's 5 nothing was not even a game. <laughs> That's true, but I think we could have been even better. I'm going to talk about it later when we break down the match, but I think that Benfica could have been even better in this match. There's still a lot to improve on this team. Let's not get carried away. Um, the results are have been good, but there's still plenty of room for improvement on this team, and... Um, that's the way I like it, at least. Um, that just shows how, how good this team can potentially be this season. Um, just want to fill you guys in, all right? Um, there was a podcast. I, you know I like to, to promote the other podcasts on this show all the time. And uh, whenever I come across one that I think I want to recommend to everybody, I came across that today uh, listening while I was at work. I was listening to the latest episode from Ubrink de Baptista. If you understand Portuguese, go to Benfica Independent, okay, and get this episode. It's episode 20. Excuse me, episode 12. Camisa dos, okay, is the name of the episode. And it's all about racism in football in Portugal. Um, there's a there's a segment on how it is handled in football in Brazil as well. Um, but you know, Sergio and and his co-host have a guest on the show this week. Uh, his he's a lawyer. Uh, his name is José Smedo Fernandes. Okay, and he is of Cape Verdean descent, and he talks about. You know, growing up in the Bairros in Lisbon, um, growing up, you know, of color, um, Cape Verdean descent. And he talks about some of the things that, that he was called from the stands when he was just a kid playing ball, you know, playing competitively. He's federated, federated uh, sanctioned, we'd say sanctioned football here in the United States is the term we would use. And some of the racism he encountered in his life. Um, he talks about uh, some history of racism during the regime as well. Um, and he talks about encounters with police. And he does a very good job of not being political about it. He he keeps it real. He just talks about the situations, what happened, sticks with facts. I really, really enjoyed the episode. I, I learned a lot. You know, those of us that uh, were born abroad or live abroad, I think there's a, you know, it's good for us to get a, a whole rounded um, account of Portugal. Okay, I love Portugal. There's no question. I hope to one day you know, retire there. I'm not, I want to make my money here. And then I want to be in Portugal after that. I want to see out my last days in Foz do Arelho <laughs> there in the, in, you know, in the, the area of Caldas da Rainha, my, my city that I, that I love. I want to be there at the end when it's all over. And I want to obviously be there to follow Benfica around for my final years as well. Um, but, but yeah, there it's a gives you a more rounded, and it's good for us to educate ourselves too, on where we come from. On it's a much more diverse Portugal um, than many realize. Okay, it's a, it's a diverse culture, but there's also subcultures. There's also other um, there's other things going on that that everyone needs to be made aware of. Okay, and this episode really just was it. it Blew it out of the water for me. What a great episode. Um, like I said, José Smidu uh, Fernandes gives a great account of his life and of what he's experienced. Um, what he's heard people s s yell, not just at him, but even in the Stadio de Luz, what he's heard people yell towards certain players. And um, it needs to be acknowledged and it needs to be stamped out. Okay, A, a football of society... Um, there's just no place for it, and 
what I really liked, he also he he hit on some other things too. It's just not racism against um against you know luso africanos against uh, Portuguese people of African descent or Africans who migrated to Portugal. He also talks about the racism that people uh, have have exhibited towards the Romani people. Romani people, of course, that is the, the, the proper name for the people we call gypsies or ciganos. And uh, most notably, you know, uh, Ricardo Koresma is, is the one that is most known from that community in Portugal. And um, he really, he really makes good points and i think regardless of where you stand on the political spectrum i think you'll appreciate this episode and enjoy it all right uh they did a good job of keeping it very um factual keeping it free of propaganda keeping it free of agenda and it just talking it's a story of what happened so if you if you understand portuguese go to basic independent get ubrink de batista Episode 12. It's also available on Google Play. It's where I got it. It's available on Apple Podcasts, I'm pretty sure. So check it out. All right. We'll be back in just a minute with the news. Okay. And tonight we got quite a bit of news to talk about. We got uh, we got some some renovações, some some contract renewals. We've got some uh, loans to talk about or a loan to talk about. We've also got the story of uh, of the week at this point, which is the UEFA Champions League. Benfica headed to pot two this year. That is, of course, because Football Club do Porto are out of the Champions League. Uh, and their very first hurdle, the third preliminary round um, of the Champions League, they did not even get to the playoff. I'm going to talk a little bit about what I think about that and what it means for us mostly, but also for Portuguese football. I'll hit on that a little bit. You guys know what I think about, about the coefficient and about things like that, but I will hit on that briefly. But I do have a message for Porto, for their players, okay? <laughs> this is a special message for them, okay? So I'm going to say it in the language that they understand because, um, well, they don't understand their manager. So here it goes. Uh, escuchan. Escuchan todos. Ahora que no hay Liga de Campeones, ya no hay Champions League. Nosotros vamos tener, o vosotros vamos van tener clases de portugués todos los martes, todos los miércoles, ¿ok? Todos los miércoles, todos los martes, clases de portugués porque nadie, nadie en ese equipo entiende cualquier cosa que dice el técnico Sergio Conceição. Sergio está gritando instrucciones todos los partidos y ustedes no, no comprenden nada. Nada. Necesitan, necesitan asistir clases de portugués. Tantos años en Portugal para algunos y ni, ni una palabrita de portugués. Now, uh, if someone wants to translate that into French for Marega Manafa and for Abubakar, that would be great. Um, that's just a little bit of playing. You know, I'm just playing. Um, I respect that team. I don't like that team. I respect that team. And we are going to have a major battle on our hands when they come to Stadio de Luz next week. They're going to come in full steam ahead. They got something to prove now. Um, so we need to be ready. But that's just a little bit of playing for the puertistas out there. Okay. Um, Maybe they should play some more Portuguese players. 
Maybe, maybe they'd be a little bit better off. I don't know. Uh, they won the UEFA Youth League last year. And, um, yeah, <laughs> Fabio Silva is supposed to be better than João Felix, uh, and he's still on the bench. Uh, João Felix has already gone for $126 million. But, uh, yeah, that's just a little bit of brincadeira, okay? Um, <laughs> so stay right there. We got Reconquista. We're going to pay a bill. And then we're going to have the news. All right. Don't go anywhere. I am the Mr. Mike Agostino. Find me on Twitter at Benfica Mr. Find me on Instagram at Mr. Benfica. We will be right back here on episode 25 of Mr. Benfica. Don't move a muscle. Sofrida a glória da vitória tem que ser bem nutrida Na reconquista do que é nosso por direito Que não vi por fazer o que podia ter sido feito Se queres a nossa força sabes que estamos contigo Em casa ou fora nós somos o eterno abrigo Sabes que estamos contigo Nós somos o eterno abrigo Ouve a nossa voz O querer de todos nós Até que não se explica Carrega bem fica, carrega bem fica Ouve a nossa voz, o querer de todos nós A fé que não se explica Carrega bem fica, carrega bem fica Ouve a nossa voz, o querer de todos nós A fé que não se explica Carrega bem fica, carrega bem fica Ouve a nossa voz, o querer de todos nós Sozinho em cada esquina um vizinho Sente o carinho do Algarve até o Minho O vermelho pinta a Tuga e é isso o teu colinho Na reconquista do que é nosso por direito Que não vi por fazer o que podia ter sido feito Se queres a nossa força sabes que estamos contigo Em casa ou fora nós somos o eterno abrigo Sabes que estamos contigo Nós somos o eterno abrigo all right so in the news this week we're going to start off with some news about the show actually last week ladies and gentlemen everybody listening last week was a new record for downloads uh, here on Mr. Benfica for total downloads in a week. Um, not not necessarily last week's episode, but last week um, was the most downloads that this show has ever had in one week, including different episodes. So thank you, everybody, for the immense support. And as of right now, episode 23 from two weeks ago, um, Benfica in the USA, part three, where I talked about my experience um, seeing Benfica live up close and personal, is now the third most downloaded episode in the history of this podcast. That is tonight, uh, the 25th episode. So of the 24 up there, episode 23, already the third most downloads of any of the episodes. Thank you again for the 
the very humbling support. I am very lucky to have such um, such a loyal listening, uh, loyal base of listeners. Thank you. And now with week two's news in regards to the club, off the top, the most uh, the headline news tonight, if you will, is Porto's elimination from the UEFA Champions League uh, just two days ago. Um, what that means, that means Benfica is going to be now in pot number two for the Champions League group stage, a draw. Who else is in pot two, you might ask? All right, so with that, Benfica will now avoid first uh, group stage matches against the following teams. Real Madrid, Atletico Madrid, Borussia Dortmund, Napoli, and Spurs, um, for now, are the guaranteed ones, as well as, I believe, Shakhtar. Donetsk also um, guaranteed to not be in Benfica's groups. In Benfica's group, excuse me. A few teams could still, uh, a few more spots will still be determined in that group, um, you know, based on the outcome of the playoff round coming up. But what that does mean is one of these teams will be in Benfica's group. Here are the, the top seeds, the teams in pot one. All right, the teams in pot one are. Liverpool, of course, the defending champions and holders. Europa League winners, Chelsea, Barcelona, Manchester City, Juventus, Bayern Munich, Paris Saint-Germain, and Zenit St. Petersburg are the eight seeded teams. Which one of those teams do I want to face? Well, um, for different reasons, different teams, of course. Um, I want to. I'd like to see Benfica play against. I think drawing Chelsea would be would be a good draw because I think they're down this season. I think uh, if there was ever a good season to draw a Chelsea, this is the one um, with the transfer ban and an extremely unexperienced manager. He may have been a great player, but um, we would absolutely have the advantage on the touchline if we played Chelsea. Also, I think Zenit would be a great opponent only because. Uh, what everyone, what's been the huge talking point the last three days now on all of the pods, on all of the uh, three of the talks, if you will, on the TV commentary shows, um, is Zenit would be big because we're in a head-to-head with Russia right now for coefficient points, and in order to get that extra, to get that third Champions League spot, um, and to get the champion automatically into the group stage. Well, the champ and keep the champion automatically in the group stage, I should say. Um, our head-to-heads against Russia are going to be extra important, especially with Porto already being eliminated by a Russian team and being knocked to the Europa League. I'll talk about that in a moment. What I think about that, okay? Um, but I think playing Zenit would be would be big in that respect. Um, drawing Juventus would be phenomenal, of course. Anytime you get a chance to play against Cristiano Ronaldo. That's always a great experience, always a great moment whenever he plays against Portuguese teams. And we've had a decent record against him over the years, actually. Um, Man City would be a good opponent as well, as it would mean, you know, Ederson, Cancelo, and, of course, Bernardo Silva returning to the Stadio de Luz. And um, although that'd be a very difficult match, I think it'd be a very special match. Um, if that was the way that the balls roll out. Uh, PSG is also a team I wouldn't mind seeing Benfica against. I know we've had trouble with them in the past. They're a strong team, 
But uh, anytime Benfica plays in Paris, Benfica is playing at home. So drawing PSG would be a extra home game, in my opinion. We would have four home matches rather than three. That's just my opinion. Um, let's talk about the coefficient for a moment. Okay, everybody's been talking about it. Every single pundit, every single writer, every single commentator has talked about the coefficient this week. And quite frankly... I'm getting tired of being told that I'm supposed to root for Porto because they're Portuguese. Well, you heard my my little two cents on that in the last segment when I uh, recorded, you know, <laughs> recorded a message in Spanish for them because, uh, well, that's how much of a Portuguese team I think they are. They're a team that happens to play in Portugal in the Portuguese league, okay? Um, they're a club that's based in Portugal. Their supporters might be Portuguese, uh, but that team is not a Portuguese team. And again, I've said before, the coefficient is not really a big concern of mine. But if you want to talk about it, if anything, um, I think Portugal is going to benefit with Portugal going into to the Europa League, to be quite honest with you. Um, if you look at the way that the points are distributed, the difference between making the Champions League group stage and the Europa League group stage is only one coefficient point, all right? You get four points for being in the Champions League group stage. You get three points for being in the Europa League group stage. So you're not losing much there. But Porto are going to win a lot of games in this year's Europa League. I don't doubt it for a minute, okay? They're going to turn this thing around, okay? Yeah, I poked some fun at them a little while ago, but you want my serious opinion. Porto are going to turn this thing around. This Let's not start making plans for the Marquez in August, okay? Um, they're in a little bit of a bad spell, but remember where we were one year ago, okay? Not even one year ago. Remember where we were eight months ago, okay? Eight months ago. All right, so let's not get carried away, okay? They have supposedly Sergio Conceição got a vote of confidence from uh, the from the chairman, from the the president, of course, Pinto the Pinto the whatever. I'm not even gonna say his name. That's what I think of him. But anyway, um, he's given him a, a vote of confidence. Usually, that's like the last the last string, the last bit of rope. Um, if things don't go their way in the next couple games. If we can smash them in a week at the Stade de Luz, I don't know. Here, as a Benfiquista, if they get rid of Sergio Conceição, I'll be thrilled as a Benfiquista because I think they're a they are a better team being coached by him than by somebody else, in my opinion. I think he's the right man for that club. Um, I don't like the club. I know a lot of people don't like him personally. Uh, he may not be, you know, the best example. Uh, as far as behavior, but the man is a good coach, okay? He's not been given much to work with. I'm enjoying watching this, but he is going to turn this around. Don't for one, if if, if given the chance, if the club stick with Sergio Conceição, he's going to turn this thing around, okay? This league, this season is far from over, and they're going to get a lot of momentum in the Europa League. I think they're going to win a lot of games in the in the group stage. I think they're going to go far. I can see them going to the quarterfinals or further in the Europa League. Remember, Porto have won the last two editions of the Europa League where they have been in the group stage. Um, so I think that's going to become a major objective for them at this point. Um so I think that in the long run is going to help Portugal's coefficient more than than uh, if they were in the Champions League struggling, assuming that they would have struggled. Uh, also big for the coefficiency or for the coefficient points is Braga and Vitória Guimarães. They of course are in the next round. 
they're in the playoff round of the UEFA, the Europa League. Should they get into the group stage, that's three more points for each of them. That means Portugal will have four teams in European competition this season. That in group stage competition, four points for Benfica and 12 points for the other. Th- oh, I'm sorry, five teams because Sporting is also in the in the group stage. So they would get a total of 12 points. Yes, 12 points in the Europa League plus four from Benfica in the Champions League. That's 16 points before even a ball is kicked in the group stage. And, of course, you get, I think, two points for every win, one point for a draw coefficient-wise. And then if you make the round of 16 in the Champions League, you get a larger amount of points than in the Europa League. But, of course, as the further you go, the more points you earn. So um, I think Portugal is going to be fine as far as the coefficiency. doesn't mean I'm rooting for Porto and Sparting. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I am thrilled about one thing, and that is both of our rivals. In fact, all of our challengers for the title, if you want to include the two clubs from the menu, um, are going to be playing that terrible schedule we were stuck with last spring. They're going to be playing those Thursday-Monday games, okay? Um, Huge advantage for us. We're going to be playing Tuesdays or Wednesdays and Saturdays or Sundays. I think this couldn't have worked out any better for Benfica. That said, Benfica's got to take the field, obviously, and go win these matches in the Liga. And they got to put a good performance out in the Champions League. Obviously, we don't know what the group is going to look like just yet. So it's hard to make any projections. But I want to see a Benfica that is competitive, a Benfica that plays with a lot of pride in the jersey, in the emblem. And I want to see a Benfica that uh, that leaves its mark in the competition and in Europe. Also in the news this week, okay, we got some player uh, contract re- uh, renewals, okay. Genova Sonj, uh, Tarapt is the first one. Tarapt, uh, <laughs> Befica's Moroccan international, Adel Tarapt has re-signed, an ex- or I should say he has signed an extension, and he has agreed to a 30% cut in salary to stay with Befica until 2022. A little surprised by that, but perhaps... There is a buyer somewhere out there, and that is why the resale, uh, the re-signing is there. Um, sorry, Neil. I know you're listening, and I know how you like to opt, but um, I just don't see long-term him being much more than what he is right now for Benfica. Um, if he proves me wrong, I'll be I'll be thrilled about it. Okay, I will be thrilled about it if he proves me wrong. But that's uh. But now he signed until 2022, which gives Benfica a chance to sell him if a buyer comes along, either you know from one of the other leagues. And I think there are some suitors out there for a player like Tarapt. A player, if he stays hungry and works hard in the right team, he could really turn into that number 10 that Neil wants him to be with Benfica. Uh, also, 18-year-old right back Tomaj Tavarj has been called into the first team and has also signed a new contract until 2024. Um He's 18 years old, very young. Uh, he's like a right-footed Nun Tavares. Can you just see uh, in a year or so Benfica lining up with if we can keep all these guys? Imagine this back four made in Seychelles one day. If we can keep all these guys, it's going to be a tall order. But if we got Ruben Dias, Ferro, <laughs> Nun Tavares on the left, and Tomas Tavares on the right, that will be a back line made in Seychelles. Uh, a lot of talent there. And... Um, I'm interested to see how this kid develops. Um, interested to see him integrate, but right now I think Nuno Tavares is the is the right back. Um, he's hot at the moment, and he's improving. Even though I think his future is still going to be as Grimaldo's replacement at left back. 
Also, this week it's been announced it was in Ebola and it was in some of the other um, publications. Bulanis Saad, Code City's uh, president, has announced or has at least stated on the record that Benfica and Bulanis Saad have already agreed to terms on a loan for Benfica's Venezuelan striker, Jander Khadij. Um, and he's, and he's the president of Bulanis Saad said that it all lies on the player. Now, of course... With the two teams kicking off in about oh, in about eighteen hours or so, honestly, uh, I won't be surprised if this deal is announced after the match tomorrow at some point. Um, and I think that's a good thing. I think Khadij he showed he showed some promise last year at Stubal. I, I I liked what I saw from him in the little bit I saw, at least when he played against Benfica. Um, I think that if he gets a whole another season under his belt in the Primera Liga, at a team that's going to need him, I think. I think uh, Belenis are going to need him. They're struggling right now. Um, Silas seems to be a good coach. It, it may be a very good situation for him. We'll see if he can go there and grow and make a mark and maybe show Befica that he does have a future at the Luge. Um, also, in the news this week, Befica B, of course, last week opened up their Pro Liga season with a 2-1 victory over Istriel Praia at the Seychelles. Goals scored by Pedro and Imbalo. And, of course, 18-year-old Umaru Imbalo signs a contract extension this week as well until 2024. We are signing up these young players long-term. I like it. Let's put huge exit clauses on these guys. Let's hold on to them unless, you know, the big boys want to pay the big money. That is the news this week, all right? On the other side, we're going to hear some some audio from the from the Pasfajeda match, and then we're going to get right into a deep dive and analysis. Don't move a muscle. Of course, I am the Mr. Mike Agustinu. Find me on Twitter at Benfica Mister and on Instagram at Mr. Benfica. Of course, Facebook, just search Mr. Benfica and you will find the show's page on Facebook. All right, stay right there. On the other side, we are going to talk Benfica 5, Passos de Ferreira 0. Right there was the sound of Nuno Tavares' goal early in the first half. 
as it went beaming around the world by Antenna Oom. All right. That was how it sounded. The stadium went nuts and the young man came out of his shell. Uh, what a what a start. What a start for the young. Yeah, as you heard the announcer say, the young left-footed converted right back. <laughs> Still, I think it's, like I said, a temporary I think it's a temporary measure until um, until Andre Almeida is back full fit. Although, if Nunu keeps evolving and keeps growing as a player, perhaps he stays on the right all the way until the day comes sometime. Who knows when Grimaldo is maybe sold because I think we now have his replacement right there in our squad. All right, let's go to Stadio de Luge. It is round one of Liga Nage 2019-2020. We've got Benfica versus Passos de Ferreira. The referee for the match is Manuel Oliveira, and there's a crowd of 62,956, basically 63,000 on hand at the Stadio de Luz. And surely many of those are, uh, are expats or immigrants living abroad that are back in Portugal for their holiday. Let's go to the lineups, all right? We'll start with Passos de Ferreira. It is Ricardo in goal. Across the back, on the right, Bruno Sanch, Marco Baixinho, and Maracas are the center back pairing with Bruno Telsch on the left side of the defense. Four-man midfield in the 4-4-2 for Passos de Ferreira. Uh, on the right, number 10 was Pedrinho. The, the center mid pairing, Diaby and Luis Carlos. And the left-sided mid was the Benfica youth product, B- Bernardo Martins. Up front, a pair of twin strikers, Zé, Wilton, and Douglas. Benfica also in a 4-4-2. No real surprises in this lineup. You have Odi in goal. Across the back, Nuno Tavares. On the right, Francisco Ferreira, better known as Ferru, and Ruben Dias in the middle with Alex Grimaldo, the left back. Four-man midfield. Also, no surprises as I had expected. Uh, we got Florentino in the uh, playing in the hole with Samadish uh, playing sort of beside him, kind of a double pivot. Um, Samadish with a little bit of rust on him uh, didn't play much in the preseason, the matches at least, not in the ICC matches. I will be very careful with my wording as Bruno Lage has corrected media when he's when they'd say certain players didn't play, he would correct them say they didn't play in the tournament. Uh, Andreas Samaris played very little in the tournament, but as the match went on, he um, he 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 also got better. Uh, of course, the wide players PZ on the right and Rafa Silva on the left. Um, the two men strike pairing were it was a pair of essentially twin strikers. Uh, last year's Golden Boot winner, of course, the Swiss assassin Haris Seferovic and. The new signing, the 20 million euro striker from Real Madrid, Raul de Tomas, RDT as he wears on his shirt. Um, and that's still a work in progress, but high work rate for, for both of those players as well. Um, again, 
Benfica coming in very little surprise. The only the only doubt before the game was who was going to pair up with Florentino in the midfield. Was it going to be Samadish? Was it going to be Tarapt? Was it going to be somebody else? But in the end, it was going to be Samadish. That's what I would have expected, of course. And so we have, if you watch this match, of course, on BTV, your announcers were Elder Kundut and Rogério Matias. On Goal TV, we had new a new commentary team. I had never heard these two guys before. Kind of missed the guys from last season, to be honest. Um, but this this match was commentated by Alejandro Vasquez and Fernando Former. Um, they sounded like they were both also Argentinians. Um, Goal TV does tend to stick with Argentinian commentary teams, but um, judging by their pronunciation and their accent, I I'm gonna guess that they were Argentinian. Uh, not so familiar with uh, with the Liga Nage as you know Omar Fuentes and uh, Alejandro Figueredo were last season. I'm not sure if this is the new commentary team on Goal TV, but um, all in all, I, I'm I'm gonna give them a chance. Obviously, uh, interestingly though, I I found it funny that they continued to pronounce our opponents as Paco Stiferreira. Uh, they should have been you know they should have been smartened up. As to what the Sedilia, as we call it underneath the C, means on Pasuj, makes that an S sound. But can't expect everybody to know that. All right, so the ball, we kick off with... We kick off with Pasuj de Ferreira. And in the second minute, Bruno Telsch will win a free kick on the left wing on a foul by RDT. No harm done. Um, fifth minute... Mohamed Diaby of Pasfrejeda also wins a free kick, but it's in the defensive half on a foul from Seferovic. Eighth-minute foul from Marco Baishinu, and Seferovic wins a, wins a free kick in the attacking half, and that eighth-minute foul by Baishinu is awarded a yellow card caution by the referee Manuel Oliveira. Marco Baishinu goes, is the first player in the book for Pasos de Ferreira. Uh, the attempt will be missed, of course, as uh, RDT's right-footed shot from outside the box was too high on the direct free kick. 11th minute, an attempt is missed as Diaby uh, of Passos has a right-footed shot from outside the box, but it's just high and wide. Uh, Bruno Telles had set him up on that one. One minute later, Raul de Tomas, RDT, left-footed shot from outside the box, misses just to the right. Benfica gain a corner in the 17th minute on a play where the ball was conceded by the cautioned aforementioned Marco Baixinho. Um, but nothing comes of it as the attempt is missed by Grimaldo. His left-footed uh, effort from the left side of the box was just too high uh, following the corner. The 19th minute, an attempt is blocked as Bruno Martins he fires a right-footed shot from outside the box blocked by who else? But the man that I continue to say. But who else? Florentino Luis. That's right. Tino with the with the block. The man that destroys the play. Um, strong player, uh, and and he's off to a fantastic start this season. Is Florentino Luis, of course. Uh, Passage would concede another corner in the nineteenth. Um, no, excuse me. Passage would have a corner in the nineteenth, conceded by Ruben Dias. Um, no danger, however, as um, shortly thereafter an offside called on Pasos Vajeda's uh, striker Douglas Tanque. 
um, on a ball that was sent in by Zeb Utilian. Wilton, Wilton is how you say it. Nineteenth <laughs> um, minute, Rafa winning a free kick in the attacking half as he is fouled by said uh, you. His name is gonna get me all game, all episode. You Wilton, okay? You Wilton is the name of the player from Passos de Fajera. All right, so we move forward. Twenty-first minute, a foul by Douglas Tanke um, on Florentino Luis gives. A free kick to Benfica, but again, Benfica struggling through the first 20 minutes, I think, and struggling in the sense that they really didn't get much going. Um, they were, I wouldn't say they were sitting back, but they uh, were finding it a little bit tough to create some real chances, as you can hear by that uh, first 20 minute, you know, uh, rundown. It sounded like, uh, you know, there was a, a lot of the efforts were coming from the Passage of Fajeda side. Uh, Passage with a a pretty decent setup, but uh, Benfica uh, plays this game, and you know we saw this last season with once Lige came on board. This Benfica team starts strong typically, but if they don't, you know, it's always a matter of getting that first goal. Um, once that first goal gets, they do seem to settle a little bit. They go for the second. They're not a team that just that just retreats after scoring a goal. They go for the second, and usually after the second, the floodgates open. And we would move forward now to the 23rd minute, okay? Um, Befica would have another corner kick, and it was conceded by Marco Baixinho. Uh, the ball would come out, but in the, re in the rebuild, um, Befica would build it down the right, the right side as PZ, um, with his avenue to the box blocked by the organized Passage de Ferreira backline. Uh, he would slot it back to Nuno Tavares, who looked up, play, put the ball on his preferred left foot, and then fired an absolute rocket to the far post. It would, it had a wicked bend. I mean, this ball had a wicked bend. This thing went way wide and then cut back like a missile towards goal, finding the upper 90. And Nuno Tavares puts Benfica ahead in the 25th minute on an assist by who else but... Urey des Assistencias, the king of the assists, Pizzi. Benfica 1, Passos nil. 28th minute foul by Douglas Tanke on Andreas Samaric in Benfica's defensive half, killing the attack for Passos. And 29th minute on a cross here. It, it would be Bruno dos Santos, the... the Central defender for Passos de Ferreira in a absolutely clumsy and just unacceptable uh, mistake for a professional central defender. He goes up with Raúl de Tomas and he gets his hand up and pu literally punches the ball uh, without knowing anything about it. He didn't have any idea where his arms were. He had no idea where the ball was. He had his eyes closed, it looked like. And that would ultimately be a punishing uh, mistake as Benfica would be given a penalty kick. And on the penalty kick, PZ would step up. And he is getting good at these penalty kicks. He's getting much calmer. I remember when he first started taking them, it was, it was just nerve-wracking to watch. But um, he gets up there. He does his little paradinha, his little stutter step. Um, I don't... <laughs> You know, it's a little bit nerve-wracking also because, you know, you're just waiting for the referee to call it. But as you watch the replay, PZ never does come to a complete stop. 
Um, however, I feel like you're playing with fate with that Paradinha. Now, that's that Paradinha is something I used to try to use also when I played. and Because uh, I did take penalty kicks uh, at least one season of my career. I was the team's penalty shooter. And I practiced it a lot. And I did use the Paradinha myself when I played. But it w- that was back in 2000, 2001, 2002. Um, the last time I took a penalty kick in a real game was I think 2004 uh but I did use the Paradinha but it was not it was not called the way it is today um it was a lot there was a lot more leniency by referees now in this age of VAR of course you got to be very very careful PZ does do it perfectly he plays it to his right the goalie goes left and Befica are ahead 2-0 and fast forward to the 34th minute, a yellow card now to Pastus' Douglas Tanke. Okay, uh, Douglas is shown the yellow card for a bad foul on Alex Grimaldo, on Alejandro Grimaldo, our left back. Uh, 35th minute, B- Bernardo Martins would win a free kick on the left wing, uh, fouled, of course, by Nuno Tavares, but the attempt would be missed as Douglas would try a left-footed shot from the center of the box. Um, but he missed to the right, and no harm done by the foul there from the young Portu- uh, the young Benfica right back or makeshift right back Nunu Tavares. Thirty eighth minute, an offside called. Two passes to Ferreira as Pedrinho tried to play a through ball to Douglas, but he was offside. Um, 42nd minute, another attempt missed by Passos. Passos in the first half, despite the scoreline, were, were creating some good opportunities for themselves. And um, here it would be Bruno dos Santos, uh, his header from the right side of the six-yard box or from the small area, uh, misses to the right. He had been he would have been assisted by Pedrinho. And Befica got a little bit lucky there on that one. Uh, 43rd minute, Befico would get a corner kick conceded by Maracas, or I should say Maracas. But the attempt was missed as Seferovic's right-footed shot from the center of the box was sky high, way over, um, following a a corner. And that, that pretty much closes out the first half. As uh, nothing more to really report on in the first half. Benfica uh, goes into the locker room, into the team room. Ahead, 2-0 at the break. And uh, we're going to take, it's going to give us a chance to take a break, all right? Um, And when we come back, you'll hear a little more from Antenna U uh, from the second half. All right, so stay right there. This is Mr. Benfica. I am the Mr. Mike Agustino. Uh, follow me, of course, as always, on Twitter at Benfica Mister, and as always on Instagram at Mister Benfica. Also, if you're listening on Apple on Apple Podcasts, please take a second, give the show a five star rating, so that we can get this out to more Benficistas, more English speaking Benficistas around the world. All right, I'll be right back with uh, the second half. Stay right there.
And what you heard there was the combination for the th- the fourth goal for Benfica. Um, scored, of course, by PZ on an assist from Nuno Tavares with help also from Chiquinho. Um, for me, that was my favorite goal of the game. I think uh, they were as, as great of a wonder strike as the first goal was. This was quite a goal in terms of buildup, in terms of play, in terms of movement. Um, and uh, really, at this point, you could see that, that Nunt Tavares was feeling really, really confident in this match. Uh, no substitutes to talk about at the half uh, from either team. We go into the second half, and two minutes into the second half, it is uh, it is Bruno Martins from Passos de Ferreira showing being shown a yellow card for a bad foul on Ruben Dias, and um, a really not intelligent foul by the young player. And um, though the free kick would come, nothing would come of the free kick. What uh, this this play would end up becoming a key moment in the match for Passos de Ferreira, as you'll find out a little bit later if you don't already know why. 49th minute, Raul de Tomás's uh, left-footed shot from outside the box was once again blocked, and Befica is finding a lot of space uh, closed down. They're really having a hard time um, really opening the game up and really playing with some, any fluidity. They're playing um, very closed, very, you know, a lot of high-percentage passes, but not getting any penetration, really, and... Um, I could see at this point, you know, that that there was something a little bit missing uh, from the team in this match, and um, I, uh, you know, I was watching the match with my father, and we were both saying there uh, that something was still missing. There was still a link missing between the forwards, the strikers, and the midfield because um, Seferovic and Raúl de Tomas RGT were were working, but they're just not connecting with the rest of the team and they're not they were not really getting good chances um at the you know they really weren't getting good chances and uh Seferovic looked like a candidate for to be substituted as nothing seemed to be uh coming off of his foot right he had some horrible misses some that you know were borderline embarrassing for him he had a right-footed effort that just he it looked it looked absolutely elementary and I started thinking that it was time, you know, it's early in the half, but but something was missing. And I, I thought that that link-up player was on the bench. I thought it was either Jota or it was Chiquinho, um, as Caio Lucas was not on the bench for this match. Um, I really thought that one of those two guys w- would, would improve uh, the situation on the field because we saw from both of them in the preseason how they can break lines and attack spaces. And Rafa was not having a good game at this point either. I think Rafa had been a candidate for... For substitution, but Rafa, what I like about him is, and of course he relies a lot on his speed. But as the game goes on, Rafa gets better. As the other team tires, he starts to really hurt the other team. He starts to run at them as he keeps his fitness, he keeps his pace throughout the match. So even if you know he loses a couple of balls, but here and there, and even when he's not having a good match, I mean he's so dangerous. So Rafa's a guy I think that really needs to stay on the field unless he's really, really not having a good night. But um, at this point, it looked like something had to change. Um, 55th minute now. Fast forward a little bit as it is a foul by Rafa on Mohamed Diaby of Passage de Ferreira. But nothing, again, coming from that. Benfica starting to get a little bit better in the match. Uh, the 55th minute, Samaris would win a free kick in the 
in the defensive half, and that would that whistle would bring on the first substitution of the match, and it would be Pasuj de Ferreira bringing on Iago Cesar in the place of Ze Wilton. All right, and. And he would come on, and I believe that um, Pasuj would keep the same form, but it looked like they're trying to solidify a little bit and trying to get a few more opportunities. As At this point, I think they thought they still might have a comeback in the wings if they could get that next goal. So the manager goes to the bench um, in the 50, 57th minute is, of course, the through ball that finds Iago Cesar, but it is offside. Uh, this is the one that went in the goal. Would have made it 2-1, but the player was clearly offside. Uh, 58th minute, PZ wins a free kick in the defensive half. He's fouled by Pedrinho. Pedrinho. And um, again, another wasted opportunity as uh, the free kick would come to no avail. And Benfica would, is still starting to struggle. And it looks, like I said, like they needed something else. But then, Pastor um, Ferreira, about 10 minutes later, would would give Benfica the break of the match, even more so than the penalty, I think, when Bernardo Martins makes an absolutely stupid foul on Nuno Tavares. Tavares is by him. He's in. Tavares is in his own defensive third. I mean, he's he's entering the middle third, but he is of no danger to the Pasos Ferreira. But a frustrated Bernardo Martins grabs him, uh, puts his arm around the shoulder, wrestles him to the ground. Um, he goes down holding his face at the same time. I think hoping for sympathy from the referee, but the, the referee was not going to show him any sympathy. It was an absolutely stupid foul, and it's something that would drive a manager absolutely crazy. And, you know, Benfica have a history now under Bruno Lage that when teams make stupid mistakes and they give them a chance, Benfica makes you pay badly. They have been doing that since January when Bruno Lage came on board. And Bernard Martins is shown his second yellow. He is off. He is taking an early shower. Passage of Ferreira down to 10 men, not what they needed at that point. And Bruno Lage seizing the moment, uh, makes, an, uh, makes a terrific uh chess match of a substitution here he's playing chess while everyone else is playing checkers we've said that before about Bruno Lage, but it was the, the the change I was waiting for uh very happy about this change even though he worked hard and I think he's gonna be in time a very important I think by throughout the season he's gonna be a very important part of this Benfica team but the time was right to sub off RDT Raul de Tomas comes off and it is Chiquinho coming in for for Raul de Tomas and he's playing as that link I was talking about almost in the João Felix position or Jonas position as it's been called already so many times this early, early this season but um and it looked like from the moment Chiquinho stepped on the field part of this was because Passage went down to 10 as well but from the moment he came on they were playing better okay Benfica were were finding spaces the ball was moving again and like I said, from the moment Chiquinho stepped on the field, it was a different Benfica. And for me, this is the the managerial move of the match. I think this is the tactical switch that was necessary. And the rest of the match will show that that Bruno Lage um, made the right decision here. Two minutes later, Passage would try to counter the move, and Diogo Almeida would come on for Douglas. 
But in the 69th minute, it would be the third goal as Seferovic's left-footed shot from very close range, a tap-in, uh, would go in on a pass from Shikinu. Of course, Nutavaj combining with Shikinu on a nice give-and-go down the right flank. Shikinu, this this assist was fantastic, and you know this is something that doesn't get mentioned enough. This was an absolutely difficult, difficult cross to make. Shikinu is running full speed towards the goal line, okay, at the maybe at the perimeter of the penalty area, okay, running straight on to a ball that's also going towards the goal line. And he manages to get all the way around the ball, swing his hips around, and first time the ball across the area, across the face of goal, coming slightly backwards right on to Seferovic's run. Seferovic's left foot tap in, makes it 3 to nothing, and this is checkmate, if you will, this was game, set, match in all reality. Um, as far as um, as far as Benfica were concerned, and as far as as Pasuj were concerned, because at this point Pasuj broke absolutely. Uh, they completely broke. The floodgates would now open as um, Shikinu would get to pick up the assist for the reigning Golden Boot winner. Seventy-first minute is a historic moment for Pasuj. A historic moment for Portuguese football. As a whole, as Passos would make a substitution, as Pedrinho would be subbed off by by Passos, and coming on is the youngest player to ever play in the Liga Nage of all time. Sixteen years and four months, Machoy Jalo comes on. Uh, the previous youngest player had been Bruno Gama, um, uh, many many years ago, but. On comes Machoy Jalo. He is the youngest player ever to play a first division match in Portugal. Again, 16 years and four months. And he looked pretty good in this match, actually, even though everything around the side was crumbling. Um, Machoy really looked looked pretty good. He is also he is the son of a former Boavista player, also. Um few minutes later, though, however, 73rd minute, Benfica were at it again. Again, this was this was my favorite goal of the match. Um, it was Peasy scoring on a right-footed effort from a very difficult angle on the right to the bottom left corner on a brilliant, brilliant ball from Nuno Tavares. Nuno Tavares chipping it over a pair of Passos de Ferreira defenders. And it, it finds its way to PZ and PZ buries it. 4-0. The Stadio de Luz erupts. There's a bit of an leave you there <laughs> as uh, it's relief. And Benfica now know three points are in the bag. Of course, Benfica at this point already knew the results from earlier in the in the day. And they will, obviously wouldn't have known the results from Sunday. But we'll go through all the results in a little bit, but Befica now know that they are going to finish week, week one top of the table um, as it is now 4-0, and it is the Befica that we love to see, the Befica that scores goals as uh, PZ early on starting the season like he did last year. Two goals right off the bat. Remember last year he began the season with a hat-trick against Vitoria Guimarães, and this season he, scored, he begins with two goals. In the 77th minute, um, Bruno Lage would again go to the bench as Jota would come on replacing Rafa. Rafa 
puts in a decent effort, even when he's not at his best. He still works very hard, puts out a lot of effort, creates a lot of opportunities. Very, um, very shows the depth that Befica have because Jota is also a hungry young player that can do a lot of the things that Rafa can do. Um, Jota also a very, very talented dribbler. And we saw in the preseason, he's also matured quite a bit. And he has learned a little bit better how to use that dribble and how to not use the dribble when not necessary. Um, also, in the 77th minute, it was a double substitution. Off came uh, off came the Greek international, Andreas Samadis. His first significant minutes of the season, 77 minutes in for the Greek and the midfielder would be replaced by a striker um, as it would be the debut of Benfica's new 17 million pound striker, Carlos Vinicius. The Brazilian would step onto the Stadio de Luz. He'd already scored a goal in the Stadio de Luz last season at the same goal, that at the same end that Benfica were attacking at this point in the match. Of course, last season he was wearing the green and white vertical stripes of Rio Ave before going on loan in the second half of the season to Monaco. Um, but but he's now Benfica's player, and he comes on um, as Chiquinho drops into the midfield to play more of a central midfield role. 80th minute, Iago Cesar of Passos Fajeda winning a free kick on a foul from Grimaldo. Um, that was handled easily by Odie. Odie was m mostly a, a spectator um, in this one. Not so much... He didn't see as much work as he did, obviously, in the Super Cup against Sporting the previous week. In the 81st minute, an attempt is saved as Jota's left-footed shot from the left side of the box um, is saved in the bottom left corner by Ricardo. And it was a pass that was fed to him by Carlos Vinicius. 83rd minute, though, Benfica would find the back of the net once again. Some nice play again on that right side. And this time, Nuno Tavares was not playing around. Um, he wasn't trying to put it on his left foot. He he looks up, he sees the opening, and he just hammers a right-footed cross along the ground on a curve right into the stride of Carlos Vinicius. And the Brazilian scores within a few minutes of stepping onto the pitch. He scores for the first time as a Benfica player, and he scores at the same end that he scored at last season as a member of Rio Ave. 5-0 to Benfica now. The Luzinhas come out, uh, much to the dismay of some of the hardcores. But Benfica fans celebrating, singing, and Benfica sees this one out at this point. And the match ends 5-0 in favor of the Glorioso. On now to the player ratings, courtesy of Goalpoint.pt. Of course, let's start with Passos de Freira. Uh, their ratings are obviously not going to be the best as they just got hammered 5-0 and had a hard time, especially in the second half. Their best player, though, was Diaby with the 5.9. Uh, Ricardo Ribeiro, the goalkeeper, 4.3 across the back. Bruno Tells, 4.6. Maracaj, 5.3. Baixinho, 4.1. Bruno Santos, 4.2. Vilton, 5.1. Pedrinho, 4.9. Diaby, 5.9. Like I said, their best player. Luis Carlos, 4.6. And Bernardo Martins, 4.8. Diego Tanque, 4.5. Um, the substitutes also. Machoy had a 5.0. Diogo a 4.5. And Iago 
And now for Benfica, their ratings in this match. We have here in goal, Vlakodimaj with a 5.2. Not a lot of work to do. Um, Nuno Tavaj with an 8.2. He was my man of the match. Goal point had him second. Um, but for me, he was my man of the match, especially after, you know, I've been harping for three weeks about his shortcomings as a right-sided player. I, again, I never said it was his fault. I think he's going to be a brilliant left-sided defender, left wing back. But really starting to grow, and he just had a great a great night starting with his first goal in the Liga Nash. 8.2 again for Nuno Tavares. Central defenders, Ruben Dias, 6.5, Fehu, 5.0. Fehu was, was one of the lower markings for the entire Benfica team. Grimaldo, 6.0. Rafa, 5.2. Samaris, 5.6. Florentino, 5.3. Seferovic, 6.0. De, Raul de Tomas, RDT, 4.9. While Pizzi puts in another man-of-the-match performance as the second of the season. Already, he was the man of the match in the Super Cup, and now once again the man of the match here in round one of the Liganage. 8.6 for Pizzi, two goals and an assist. Chiquinho off the bench with a 5.9, and Carlos Vinicius off the bench with a 6.8. Uh, some statistics we got crosses for were 17 5 in favor of Benfica, corners 10 3 in favor of Benfica. Uh, Duels won 42-41 for Benfica. That was a close statistic. The duels were very were very tight. Fouls committed 15 by Benfica and 11 by Passage de Ferreira. Offside zero times. Benfica offside not a single time in this match. That's a rare thing. And five times for uh, Passage de Ferreira. And of course, my... <laughs> The, the statistic I mock openly pretty often. Um, <laughs> the ball possession in this one, uh, again, without any context, Benfica 63% to 37. I think Benfica, territory-wise, as soon as the second half, in the second half at least, really uh, dominated territorially, and that would be, um, that would bring some more context to, of course, the possession numbers. Of, and let's continue on and... Get a few more statistics here as we look at the man of the match, who is PZ, of course. I'm looking at the heat map here, and he really covered the whole right side of the field. Uh, that's really where he got a lot of a lot of his work done, like he normally does, starting wide on the on the right side and then coming inside. Really hard for thus far for opponents to deal with that. Uh, two goals, one uh, one assist, of course. Um, he gave five passes for a shot. They say passes para finalização, meaning for, you know, shots. Um, a 70% pass efficiency. Eight out of four, uh, eight out of four, I should say four out of eight for long passes. So he attempted eight long passes. Four were on point and he was two for three in dribbles. Um, successive dribbles and he recovered possession five times of course again he is the man of the match all right let's go now to some words from Bruno Lage take it away Bruno Lage Boa noite Luís Costa Branco BTV uh, fica com a ideia não sei se correta ou não eventualmente incorreta queria que me confirmasse isso uh, o futebol do Benfica foi mais fluido na segunda parte do que na primeira uh, porquê? 
porque, porque tivemos a oportunidade de, na segunda parte, corrigir um pouco um, os posicionamentos e o posicionamento reflete muito aquilo que é posicionamento, uh, movimentação e decisão e, e isso reflete muito daquilo que foi o, o terceiro gol, observar a movimentação de quando a bola chegou ao corredor, movimento chiquinho e depois a assistência para o gol, foi basicamente isso, houve uh, não tanto o posicionamento, mas a decisão e a movimentação de, de aproveitar os espaços que o os passos que o passos nos ia oferecendo. And that was Bruno Lage answering the question from BTV's Luiz Costa Branco, uh, asking about, at least as he saw it, and he asked the, the Mr. to correct him if he was wrong, but it looked like Benfica in the second half were much more fluid, and he said what was the difference between the first half and the second half. And uh, Bruno Lage pauses and says, well, we were able to correct our errors and correct our our side and be we were made ourselves able to exploit the spaces which Passos gave us and that they did in the second half and for me I really think that the the two key moments came in the second half yes the penalty was crucial as well but I think what really took the game and what allowed Benfica to to go for the kill and to step on the head of the snake and to knock out Passos de Ferreira, if you will, if you use a boxing analogy, was the the short couple of minutes span there between Bernardo Martins being sent off and Chiquinho coming into the match and providing that much-needed link between the midfield and the attack. Um, I think that was huge, and I'm really starting to think that at this stage in the season, I know RDT is cost $20 million, and I Still believe he's going to be a big part of this team in one way or another. But I think for this next match coming up late, later on today, now as it's now past midnight here on the east coast of the United States, um, it is now Saturday, August the 17th. So later tonight, when Befica go to the Jamur to take on Bolognese, I would like to see Chiquinho in the starting lineup. I'd like to see what he could do in that João Felix slash Jonas position. Um, and see if he doesn't link up better with Seferovic. I mean, there has to be rotation in the squad. Okay, uh, there's going to be a lot of matches. We go into September, there's going to be Champions League. There'll be an international break. Guys are going to come back at different times. Um, starting Shikinu right now over RDT does not does not stop or does not discredit RDT. It's I, Lineups really need to be made on a match-by-match situation. Just like I said in regards to the center mid, there's matches where I feel that Tino is the guy that should start in the hole, and there's matches that I think are better suited for Samadish to start there. Um, and assuming that's once Gabriel returns healthy. But that's that's my the way I look at matches. I think that the certain opponents sometimes call for different looks, different, different lineups. And I think there will be matches that call for... Two twin strikers, Seferovic, RDT, and there's gonna be matches that call for that call for Shikinu and Seferovic. There'll be matches that call for uh, Jota and our and RDT, perhaps, or any other of the combination. Uh, and now you got Carlos Vinicius in there. There's gotta be rotation. They're all gonna get their chance. I think with this manager, they're gonna get chances. Um, but I would like to see Shikinu worked into the starting lineup at least for this match. Um, as you know, next week we host 
a Porto team that's going to come in hungry to turn things around, regardless of how they do this week. They're going to come in hungry to turn things around and get their season going in the right direction. Now, let's go over the scores for Week 1 in Liga Nord. Week 1 began Friday, August the 9th with a 0-0 draw in Algarve, Portimones 0, Bulinich Sad, Code City 0. Uh, on Saturday, August the 10th, of course, Santa Clara at home drops their opener, uh, Santa Clara 0, newly promoted Fumilico 2. The next game was in Barcelos, and this is a game that, like I said, Benfica knew this result going in, and this is quite a way to start. It was Gilles Vicente on their return to the first division, to the Liga Nage, from the Campeonato de Portugal. They came up two levels this year. As you may or may not know, that decision was made by the Court of Arbitration for Sport, that they were wrongly penalized with, uh, with relegation years ago for an illegal player issue. Uh, Gil Vicente 2, Football Club de Puerto 1. And, of course, later that day, the game we just reviewed, Benfica 5, Passos de Ferreira 0. On Sunday, Boa Vista 2, Desportivo das Aves 1. In Madeira, Maritimo 1, Sporting Club de Portugal 1. And a menu derby saw Sporting Braga 3, Moreirense 1. Monday, the last matchup of the first round. Well, at least there is one match still to be played. It will be played during the international break in September as field conditions at Riwab were not up to par. But the final match for now of round 1, Vitoria Stubel 0, Tondela 0. And... The first match of round two was played earlier today, so let me read that result to you also. Once again, newly promoted Fumilicão de debuting at home, winning 1-0, a major upset against a team that I have, you know, big expectations for this year. Fumilicão won, Riuav and Carlos Carvalhal nil. A surprise, shocking result. Let's go to the table. So, of course, with two matches... Fumilico are top of the table tonight, six points, three goal difference, while Benfica are second on three points with a five goal difference. Braga are next also with three points, two goal difference, while Bovista and Gil Vicente are at three points with a one goal difference, completely even. Maritimo, Sporting, Belenes Sad, Portimones, Tondela, and Vitoria Stubal with one point. And then next in 12th, with no games played yet, with no matches played yet, Vitoria Guimarães, with zero points, obviously. And below them, 13th is Steve Dazavj, with no points and a negative one goal difference. 14th, take a picture of it, because this doesn't happen too often. It's Football Club do Porto. Pitu da Costa is in 14th place. With no points and a minus one goal difference. Riuav right below them. Or even, I should say, with a minus one goal difference and no points. Moreirense in 16th, minus two goal difference and no points. And in the relegation zone after one round, Santa Clara, minus two goal difference. And Passos de Ferreira in the bottom with a negative five goal difference, obviously. And that is that. Let's go to leading scorers after one round or one point one rounds. PZ is the top goal scorer with two goals. 
And then you have several players, 16 players, or 15 other players with one goal. I can read them off. Ahmed Hassan of Braga, Bozidar Krajev of Gil Vicente, Carlos Vinicius of Benfica, Fran Sergio of Braga, Jetterson of Maritimo, Seferovic of Benfica, Lorenzi of Gil Vicente, Meharad Mohamadi of Avsh, one goal as well, Nene of Morirense, Nuno Tavares of Benfica, Sebastian Coates of Sporting, Wilson Eduardo of Sporting Braga, Omnije of Boavista, Alex Telles of Porto, and Rafael Costa of Boavista. Assist leader after two we- after one week, Nuno Tavares of Benfica with two assists, Wellington Jr., Bruno Fernandes, Chiquinho, Jean Clay, João Afonso, João Aurelio, João Novaes, Mateo Gempizzi, all with one assist. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that's going to be it for this week for episode 25 of Mr. Benfica. Um, be sure to follow all the social media, of course. And if you get in this, this pod on Apple uh, Podcasts, please give it a five-star review so we can get it out to more English-speaking Benficistas. I know they're out there. There's still a lot um, of places that have not found Mr. Benfica. Um Next week, it'll be episode 26. We're obviously going to review the game against Code City. But we're also going to preview the Classico for next Saturday. Uh, a week from what is now today, um, we'll, it'll be Benfica Football Club do Porto at the Stadio de Luz. All right, so we'll have all that coming at you next week. So, in closing, Benfica are off to a good start. Let's make it another one, you know, against Bolognese Saad. Let's go into into Jamor, take down Code City, take back first place, go into the Clásico uh, uh, in first place, Força Benfica, Carrega Benfica, Damu 38. Have a good week, everybody, and enjoy the match. This has been Mr. Benfica. I am the Mr. Mike Agostinho, signing off.